0: Welcome to Real Foot Forward, a West Tennessee podcast from Discovery Park of America in Union City, Tennessee. Today's episode is brought to you by Commercial Bank and Trust. At Commercial Bank and Trust Company, they've been catering to personal financial needs and contributing to small business success since 1877.
1: Thank you very much, Zach, and welcome everybody to Real Foot Forward, a West Tennessee podcast where we explore the history, the people, and the culture of our home here in West Tennessee. I'm your host, Scott Williams. Okay, you might have heard I have a new guest host today. It's Zach. He's he's recently joined us here at Discovery Park of America. Hello. Um, Zach, tell us a little bit about where you came from.
0: I went to Murray State University, major in advertising, minor in marketing. Uh, before this, I was in portal building Business doing sales and marketing with them, but I I think I found a, a true home here. I'm very excited to be here.
1: I think but, you have too. People who are checking our social media have probably seen your posts are really fantastic. And you currently live in Paducah, right? Correct. And you're planning on finding a house here uh, in Union City or Martin or you know here in in uh, this area. Um, and then you've got a lovely wife and some little kiddos. You yes, got two sir. kiddos, right? That's correct. Little little bitty babies. Yep. So um, we're excited. This Discovery Park is a great place for parents to work because your kids love coming to their parents. They work. sure so, do. Yeah, that's great. Well, welcome aboard. Um, so today we've got a guest that is near and dear to my heart. I don't know that he's not, he is not necessarily near and dear to my heart yet, but he will be. But the thing that he works on is also something that I've worked on and uh, developed a passion for, and that's David Crockett. So please welcome Wade Dillon. Wade is a a professional illustrator and artist, but he's also a museum person and a a, a big fan of history like I am. So we're going to have a lot to talk about. Welcome Wade. Hi guys. So tell me, um, what city are you living in now?
2: I'm in Sweeney, Texas.
1: Sweeney, Texas. Fantastic. So um, back us up a little bit. Um, We're going to end up with you uh, illustrating books about David Crockett, working at the Alamo, being a big David Crockett fan. But I want to go all the way back to the beginning because I know your childhood had a pretty big impact on what uh, the David Crockett passion you ended up having.
2: Yeah. So um, I'm a native Floridian. (laughs) I was born in uh, Jacksonville, Florida in 1988. My parents really got me into art and history. It was predominantly my father, Alan, uh, who passed away in 2021, who really supported my passion for art and history by showing me, as a little child, John Wayne's The Alamo and Disney's Davy Crockett, King of the Wild Frontier. And... Just something about Crockett, something about the Alamo story, it just stuck with me. At the age of five, I had my first coon skin cap. Uh, Age of six, had my first Alamo playset. So there's a photo of me, dad, and my mom playing with this cardboard Alamo playset on my sixth birthday.
1: Now, for people who um, are trying to figure out, well, how old is this guy? You're pretty young still. So this is not like, you know, this was not back in the 50s. Uh, no. This is probably in the 90s.
2: <laughs> yes. Uh, so, so I'm 34. I turned 35 uh, in September.
1: So you yeah. were you were probably, um, you didn't have a ton of kids running around with you wearing coonskin caps.
2: None. 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 Uh, <laughs> especially in Florida growing up I was probably the only one outside with a coonskin cap and yeah my my family and I we took our first uh family vacation to the Alamo in 19 in April of 1998 and it was a very short four day trip but that that vacation really solidified uh the Alamo in my heart um I remember almost leaping out of Uh, the taxi that we were in when we pulled up on Alamo street on Alamo Plaza. There was the Alamo. There was that thing that I always saw in movies, but there it was for real.
1: At some point in this story, your dad becomes a David Crockett tribute artist. Where does that happen?
2: So um, my father and I were uh, extremely close. Um, In 1998, we lost uh, my mom, Uh, to suicide Mm. and that really propelled my father to make changes um in our life for me and my siblings and one of those changes was renovating his childhood home in jacksonville beach with the iconic bell-shaped parapet of the alamo Mm. so he saved his childhood home from being condemned and as he's having this bell-shaped parapet put on top of this beach house, 10 minutes from the Atlantic ocean. We had neighbors coming up to us, asking why we were building Taco Bell in the middle of the (laughs) neighborhood. (laughs) And, and
1: probably a lot of them had never been to the Alamo and probably didn't even know what it looked like.
2: Exactly. Exactly. So, so, so there was a bunch of answering questions and encouraging folks to go see the real thing in San Antonio. But um, when I graduated high school in 2007, Uh, Dad awarded me with a trip to San Antonio, to the Alamo, where I participated in my first Alamo reenactment, my first living history event. The following year, that's when I asked Dad to participate with me. So um, that became a, a shared hobby of ours. And about 2010, 2013, Dad unfortunately lost his home to foreclosure it being part of the whole uh, Florida market, house market ecosystem. And um, he moved to Texas. Um, in 2010, I had already moved to San Antonio, Texas. And within four short months, I started working at the Alamo as a tour guide. So i sorry, say, but I have uh,
1: to ask. I have to ask, did your dad tell uh, them in Florida that they could go to hell and he was going to Texas? <laughs>
2: He, he might as well have told some folks that <laughs> or carved GTT in his door. Yeah, for sure. There you go. So, yeah. you, so
1: you guys moved. Uh, first of all, I want to ask you, uh, you mentioned something that we do a lot of around here that we have folks come here and do living reenactments of mm-hmm. history. Talk to me a little bit about the importance of that and why you feel like it's important and what do you get out of it?
2: Uh, starting with your last question, what do I get out of living history? Um it kind of answers both questions. Um, it it brings me and the person I'm interacting with that much closer to the time period uh, because living history is all about the material culture and possessing the knowledge of that time period as closely and as accurately as you can retain it. Um, uh, part of my attraction to the time period is... Uh, well, the fashion, as you see in the illustration here, you know, getting the hunting frocks correct, uh, the roundabout coats with the high ho- horse collars and everything, uh, the cuts, the patterns of the clothing are extremely important. Uh, the material and the fabric that they that they would have used in the time period if it's available today, things of that nature. Um, yeah, you're almost stepping out of a book uh, and not a Hollywood movie. If, if you're doing it correctly.
1: And so do you find that uh, guests at the museums or the, or the uh, Alamo or wherever you're uh, uh, dressed, do, do you find the guests, you know, love to pose and take pictures and interact?
2: Yeah, for sure. So um, I am now the museum manager for the Freeport historical museum. And um, in our museum, we have an original 1830s silk taffeta dress. Uh, Some living history friends of mine, uh, Susan and Caitlin, they came by for um, a living history event we were having and they studied the dress and they looked at it and they realized it was a maternity dress based on alterations done along the front of the waistline. So, you know, (laughs)
1: yeah. Yeah. That's See,
2: seeing that dress and putting that context on it. It's like, you know, folks in the 1830s, were dealing with the same stuff we're dealing with today. Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: <laughs> so you, so you got your dad, um, also as, as, uh, engaged as you were and he started, did he do, did he, uh, do the living history events frequently? I know I've seen a video on YouTube of him actually doing David Crockett and doing a whole, a whole, uh, scene.
2: Yeah. So, um, It was just kind of a fluke. Um, uh, A really good friend of ours, Martin Vasquez, who actually portrays Antonio Lopez de Santa Ana down in San Antonio, approached my father to portray Crockett for an event that the Witty Museum in San Antonio was having. So um, dad actually borrowed my living history gear, uh, a gentleman's frock coat and stuff, so he's kind of more congressional Crockett, but... um, that's kind of what lit the fire for him. Um, uh, for my father, it, it, it gave him a sense of purpose. My, my father lost a lot in his life. And so to suddenly relocate and try and find himself again, he found himself in, um, in portraying David Crockett. So, uh, by 2015, 2016, a new attraction had opened up in the river center mall called the battle for Texas. The experience, it has since shut down, but um, Dad was there portraying David Crockett, leading tours, answering questions, and, um, you know, by that point he had the coonskin cap, he had his own hunting frock, and his own flintlock rifle, so um, it, it, it became a passion of his, um, he, he volunteered his time at the Alamo, For their uh an evening with heroes program so yeah it was a it was a source of pride for my father and uh, he really enjoyed it
1: so i know the folks um listening can't see this but i'm going to show you hold on one second i'm going to go this is my coonskin cap. I got it from uh, a a uh, company here that uh, is in Union City, Tennessee, like literally three minutes from here, and they sell these real uh, coonskin caps, and that's where I got this one. It's called Dixie Gun Works. So, yeah, anybody listening to us wants to buy their own real coonskin cap, Dixie Gun Works is where they need to go. That,
2: that that's where I have both of mine and. The coonskin cap up there is uh, is based off of uh, one of theirs. I just had a leather bill added to it because uh, I think there's a chance Cro- Crockett's coonskin cap had a bill, but yeah, you know. anyway. that's interesting. So
1: <laughs> tell me a little bit. I'm curious, as uh, you know, here at our museum in Union City, we have um, we have a Crockett statue, we have a Crockett um, exhibit here um and uh we're getting ready coming up um, on august 12th on saturday to celebrate david crockett's birthday which is actually august 17th 1786 he would be 237 um so what, what how do they focus on david crockett at the alamo as far as david crockett the quote-unquote brand
2: so um last year i had the fortune of kind of filling my father's shoes and portraying David Crockett for their David Crockett birthday celebration at the Alamo. This was, uh, a year ago in August, but, um, uh, they focused on the living history aspect of it. So, um, I was, I was dressed up as Crockett, um, at their new Palisade wall display, which is phenomenal. The staff there did an incredible job. And, um, really just engaging with the public, uh, answering questions. Um, uh, if I, as Crockett got popular culture questions, like, well, I thought the Alamo blew up because they saw it in a movie. It's like, well, it hasn't blown up yet.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And so do you find people know, um, a lot about David Crockett already, or are they a blank slate? Um, it,
2: it, It's kind of a mixed bag Um, uh, during my I I was at the Alamo for about eight years. And and during my time there, um, you you got a mix of kind of questions and responses. Um, You know, the belief that Crockett never wore his coonskin cap, that that was made up when we actually have documentation that he did. Uh, the John Wayne Alamo movie definitely did a number on like the public perception of the Alamo because we'd have folks coming in claiming that the church was uh fake or largely rebuilt because it blew up and just having to politely uh, clarify or, or address that misconception.
1: Um, so um, one thing that I think is, is fascinating is that David Crockett left Memphis, Tennessee and crossed the Mississippi River in late November 1835. Mm -hmm. He arrived at the Alamo around February 8, 1836, and was dead by March 6, 1830, so he was really only in texas for you know four or five months a very short time period and yet if you if you ask someone about david crockett he is most closely associated with the alamo probably than he is with his west tennessee years as a congressman and as a hunter here in this area so i've always been really interested Uh, do you find that a lot of people just assume that david crockett was from texas and that he always lived in texas
2: uh I I don't recall ever having that kind of, um, I guess you could say, uh, confusion. Um, I think uh, for the most part, when Crockett did come up, there was an understanding that he was, you know, from Tennessee or Kentucky, which were the two states folks Mm. who didn't know too much would, you know, wasn't he from, well, why did he come here? Why were there so many from this state or that state here? So, Yeah. And Tennessee being known as a volunteer state.
1: <laughs> there you go. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> what, what are your thoughts on um, the controversy around was Crockett actually killed in one way or was he killed afterwards? Or and I know you've probably had a lot of people asking you, you know, was David Crockett a hero at the Alamo, at the Alamo? How do you answer that?
2: Um, so, so I just had this conversation with Clay Newcomb for his Bear Grease uh, podcast. Yeah, you um, and I um, were
1: uh, you and I were both on that on that podcast, yeah, uh, just just not together.
2: Sure, sure. Yeah, he he, he he's a great guy. Um, it, it was a great just you know conversation. Uh, but I have the same response that I, I had for the folks at the Alamo, and um, uh, to start off, it doesn't matter to me how Crockett died because he fought and died at the Alamo. But I personally uh, believe um, that he probably fought and died in battle. Um, I I find it hard to um, believe, like, the De La Pena diary uh, for a multitude of reasons. Um, the, the debates as to whether or not sections of it, including the section about the execution, is a forgery or not. But also the likelihood of the most famous American coming face to face with the Napoleon of the West Antonio Lopez de Santa Ana and Santa Ana not knowing who he is. I would have imagined that had he had known, he would have spared him and used him as leverage to show American involvement in this war. But of course, um, you know, if executions did take place, Santa Ana was carrying out the Tornell decree and Uh, putting pirates to the sword. How do they um,
1: tell the story? What what is the position they take at the Alamo? Or do they just not even address it, really?
2: No, they address it because in front of the Alamo church, there's a plaque on the ground that states, uh, uh, legend states that, you know, here on March the 6th, David Crockett gave his life for Texas Liberty. Mm -hmm. And that's going off of Susanna Dickinson's account where she stated she saw Colonel Crockett's body mutilated between the church and the two-story barrack building with his peculiar cap lying by his side. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, I I remember my time at the Alamo presenting both sides, Mm. um, just explaining we really don't know how Crockett died. Yeah, Uh, Because we have a very good idea as to how Travis died uh, because of his slave Joe. We have a very good idea as to how Uh, Bowie may have met his end uh, in the gatehouse, but Crockett's Crockett's the mystery. Crockett's the mystery.
1: Zach, have you been to the Alamo? I have not. Did you know much about David Crockett before you started working here? I sure have not. See, I (laughs) think that's the importance of places like Discovery Park and the Alamo and the museum you're at, is to keep these names and these stories Mm -hmm um alive because their contributions are so significant especially david crockett had such an interesting story you know to me obviously he captured my imagination yeah and i hope he does the visitors who come to discover I've, I've
0: definitely learned a lot yeah since i started here um,
1: um have you read my crockett book i have not but have you I, read wade's crockett
0: book it's not out yet right
1: no he's got one out oh, th- and we're about to talk about that okay so before we talk about your book tell us about how you started illustrating because you're extremely talented is that did that just happen um with years and years of practice or or tell me a little bit about that
2: sure so um uh like my interest in texas history davy crockett and the alamo it started when i was young so so, uh i i guess really the films are to blame um i watched the movies and then uh you know, as a kid, I would want to draw what I saw. So, so I remember in kindergarten drawing these huge epic battle scenes with David Crockett and such. And um, um, uh, my father especially always encouraged um, – I, I pursue my creativity. And so there's, there's photos of me drawing on a Magna Doodle. Um, I've, I've got a lot of, uh, you know, Christmas memories, uh, getting my first art table – getting art supplies uh so uh that that's something that's always been you know like the alamo and davy crockett that's always been a huge part of my life um i illustrated my first children's book in 2011 uh through pelican publishing company that was the alamo from a to z so a is for alamo b is for Bowie, c is for crockett Crockett, um is written by Bill Shimerka, who uh, who had formed or was a former president of the Alamo Society. And so a lot of passion, a lot of knowledge went into that book, and then we did the sequel to it, Davy Crockett from A to Z.
1: And we actually have that in our gift shop, Zach. So you could go you could go get a copy of that. Fantastic. Um, and it's filled with uh, Wade's illustrations.
2: Okay. Yeah, so uh, since then, um I've been a freelance illustrator doing mostly historical illustrations. I've done, um, I've done work for the Alamo. I've done work for the Texas Historical Commission. Uh, But now, uh, especially after losing my dad just two short years ago, I'm working now on my passion project. And that's a graphic novel on David Crockett. It's been an idea that I've had since, dad renovated his house with the bell-shaped parapet of the alamo so while this graphic novel is not out yet uh, i am currently working on it
1: so we're going to take a quick break and when we get back i want to talk to you about the the graphic novel and also publishing the whole world of all of that so um, we're going to pick this back up as soon as we get back
0: Commercial Bank and Trust Company is a unique full-service bank with nine branches located throughout Memphis, Paris, Union City, and Jackson, Tennessee. Commercial Bank stands ready to put more than a century's worth of tradition to work for you. To learn more about their sophisticated approach to financial services, visit them in branch, by phone, or online. I hope you're
1: enjoying the Real Foot Forward podcast from Discovery Park of America. If you are, please be sure to subscribe rate and leave a positive review on itunes spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts that's how we get the word out about the fun we're having here at real foot forward Um, If you are just now joining us, uh, which they say on the radio, but on podcasts, that's kind of silly because you would have had to fast forward through the podcast. But anyway, we have Wade Dillon, uh, who is a professional illustrator, artist, and David Crockett fan. Um, We're talking all about David Crockett and his life. And now I want to talk a little bit more um, about Wade's career as an illustrator and this graphic novel that he's putting together. Um, Have you... Got a publisher already, or are you going to self-publish this book?
2: So uh, my graphic novel on uh, David Crockett, I'm going to self-publish. Um, uh, I've got several reasons for it, but um, it's it, it's a story geared for adults. Uh, there, there's a lot of personal uh, themes in it, and um, um, I don't want to give too much away, but a lot of violence, and it's going to be fully, fully illustrated. Uh, but I'm I'm going to self-publish uh, just so that I can maintain complete creative control. It, it's it's entirely my book, uh, my story. So, and you'll be able to make more money if you self-publish. Sure.
1: <laughs> and is it uh, is it a color graphic novel? Or black yes. And white?
2: Yeah. It it, it 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 so um it's going to be a large format graphic novel so each uh, normally your comic books today are like 6 by 9 this is going to be 8.5 by 11 so like your standard letter size sheet Um, each page of a comic book is broken down into 5 to 7 panels and at 223 pages currently that's over a thousand separate images that I'm creating and um, I'm just getting started on page (laughs) 5
1: I mean, there, there are a lot of like collectors and stuff who will probably want to buy your original uh, drawings for the book. You know, sure. individually you'll be able to sell in addition to selling the book
2: itself. So uh, in the case of creating the illustrations for the graphic novel, I am doing all of them digitally. Um Just because I I go back and I erase and alter things constantly and and it's just quicker for me to work that way. Whereas if I were to do it traditionally, it'd be on eleven by seventeen size sheet of paper, which is then formatted down to six by nine and I don't want to deal with all of that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean that makes more sense. Everybody's doing everything digital nowadays. I'm old, so I go back to the days when People were trying to do those things, you know, sure. by hand, and you know th- this is a, so much easier. I'm I'm guessing, although certainly not easy, um, but it it looks amazing.
2: Well, well, th- thank you. Um, I, I'm doing everything in, in Photoshop, so while it's a digital illustration, I'm still drawing everything out, you know, by hand. Mm-hmm. Everything that I know as an artist, I'm applying to uh, that digital file, so yeah it, it, it's quite it, it's quite an undertaking but man i i've had i've had a lot of fun working on it so far um are you
1: starting are you starting with his birth and going through his whole life or is this just something that picks up at the alamo i i,
2: I don't want to give too much away but um i i, I want to say that the graphic novel does cover his life pretty well oh, that um but by the end of the story, you'll have a pretty good understanding as to who Crockett was, and I think, um, you know, Crockett's story has been has been done a lot, um, especially in Hollywood. But I, I think, um, especially after everything I experienced the last two years, I my perspective on life has changed. It got me to understand Crockett's journey much better and so i was able to really apply those things to this story to this telling of crockett and really explore some very deep themes of of loss uh, of death of suffering tragedies and, and and um you know how that affects the person
1: well and you know crockett settled here in west tennessee just a few miles from where we are now in 1822, um, and so he was our congressman. Uh, my ancestors actually settled in this area in 1832, and so he was their congressman. So this hmm. this area, you know, really uh, has a lot of connection to Davy Crockett, so make sure you put West Tennessee in, in
0: there.
2: Oh, East oh Tennessee. for sure.
1: East Tennessee I, loves to talk about David Crockett, and I love East Tennessee, but, you know, David Crockett spent some time in West Tennessee, too, so we got to make sure oh, we, we own absolutely. him.
2: Absolutely, from, from Limestone to Lawrenceburg to, to Rutherford, so, so yeah, uh, I'm in Texas now, but uh, I, I've managed to get reference photos where I can of Tennessee, so. Have you ever been to Discovery Park? No, I have not. The last time I've been to Tennessee was in 2005, so I need to get back up there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we need to, I tell you what, we definitely, you know, when we get ready to celebrate David Crockett's birthday, either next year or the year after next, when you've yeah. published your book, we definitely want to get you here to meet and greet folks and sell books and autograph and stuff like that. I love that. that. Yeah, thank you. So um what's next on the book publishing? You are you said you were up to uh, what page?
2: page five of
1: 223 okay so you've got a ways to go how long does it take to do each
2: each page so so each page I, i i start out as i would a traditional illustration i i start out with kind of a thumbnail sketch then i kind of lay out the entire page because comic books have a structure similar to film you've got to guide the reader's eye and in the case of comic books graphic novels you're reading in a zigzag formation it's guiding your eyes left to right zigzag across the page so there's all sorts of structures related to creating comic books that i'm trying to adhere to as part of the uh, storytelling aspect but it can take me uh probably a week on the digital pencils Ah, uh, then I'll go in and ink and color digitally, um, but then what I'm going to have to do is hire, um, what they call a letterer, someone who works in the comic book industry who does all the dialogue, mm. all the text, uh, to go in there and and you know put the word bubbles where they're supposed to be, and so yeah, that there's a whole production aspect to it.
1: Yeah, that's a big undertaking.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, we ought to look at, uh, you know, another thing that would be cool to do, so you're doing these digitally, right? So there'll Correct. be in Photoshop. If like if a museum wanted to do an exhibit of your work after you're finished, you could enlarge those uh, and do a, an exhibit of the illustrations and kind of tell the story that way as well, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um Ah, uh, since these are going to be printed on eight and a half by eleven, I've I've been doing all the illustrations at six hundred DPI, which can be blown up to sure. a very large scale. So, um, well, let's yeah. let's pencil that in for 20, 2027,
1: 2028, something <laughs> like that.
2: I, I, I really hope it doesn't take that long. I I'm, <laughs> I, uh, I I finished writing the script probably March or April. Yeah. So, so, so around the time of the anniversary of the Battle of the Alamo and the Battle of San Jacinto, um, so being inspired by all of that to uh, finally finish, and then um, I, I immediately got started on page one, and so now – been a little slow, but I'm on page five. <laughs>
1: well, you've also you've also got you know a full time job that you're yeah. trying to do as well. Uh, before go we go, tell us a little bit about your museum there that you work with.
2: Yeah, so uh, since 2020, I have been working here at the Freeport Historical Museum in Freeport, Texas. Uh, I am now the museum manager. And we are in the process of restructuring the entire museum into a historical narrative timeline from early history to modern day. So that includes installing new bilingual interpretive panels to guide visitors through the history and um, uh, bringing in new museum quality display cases. So it's really coming together. Uh, We do focus uh, a little bit of museum space on revolutionary Texas history uh, the battle of Fort Velasco occurred just four miles away from here in 1832. And, um, Crockett's nephew, William Patton was in Galveston, uh, after, um, Crockett's death at the Alamo. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I actually have an original newspaper that mentions Crockett's nephew mentions the treaties of Velasco. Uh, we have, um, Artifacts from the Goliad Massacre, from the Battle of San Jacinto. So really try to, you know, represent the time period and, uh, you know, that section of history as well, as well as a brand new uh, uh, Texas Navy room. So, yeah.
1: Excellent.
2: It, it, yeah, it's, it's really becoming a nice little, uh, nice little nugget of a a coastal museum here so
1: and how far away from the alamo are you now
2: about three and a half four hours
1: so it's a nice it's a nice day trip somebody wanted to go check out the alamo and then come visit you there be a great way to uh get your uh, texas history fix
2: oh they they sure could and um uh, from san antonio to here Uh, there's, There's so much early Texas to see, especially in Brazoria County. You've got, well, you've got Velasco, which today is the town of Surfside. You have West Columbia, Brazoria, Jones Creek. There's so much history out this way, too.
1: Excellent. Well, this has been fun. If, if people want to check out your work and we've talked a lot about it and I'm looking at the pictures behind you, but if people wanted to see for themselves, where would they go to check out your style of design and, and learn more about your previous books?
2: For sure. Uh, You can follow me on Facebook. Uh, Just type in W Dylan illustrator. That's D I L L O N. And then you can find me on Instagram threads and Twitter at Wade Dillon Art.
1: Fantastic. And we'll link to those uh, in the show notes as well. So if you're driving your car right now and you can't get to write it down, just go back and look at the show notes and we'll put the links um, on there. Um, Well, I cannot wait to get you physically here to Discovery Park for one of our David Crockett birthday celebrations.
2: I'd love to make it, man. And I just want to say I loved your book. I love how you fit Crockett into the scope of everything else happening around him um that hadn't been quite done uh from the Crockett books that I have read so I thoroughly enjoyed your book bud
1: thank you so much I really appreciate that um that's really nice of you to say and thank you to all you listeners who've joined Zach and me today at Discovery Park of America our mission here is to inspire children and adults to see beyond to plan an experience here for you and your family visit discoveryparkofamerica.com